It's gonna get heavy, isn't it? Well, I can't promise you it won't. Let me read you something right quick. Victory attained by violence is tantamount to defeat. For it is momentary. Gandhi. It is better to be violent if there is violence in our hearts than to put on the cloak of nonviolence to cover impotence. Who said that? Same guy. Gandhi wasn't afraid to fight for the things he believed in. What is it you believe in? Everybody, this is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. We're doing some doors today. Keep your eyes on the road, your hands upon the wheel. Keep your eyes open and your ears open and your brain open. Or else you're going to be a Democrat. You're not going to know what's going on. You're going to just believe stuff that's on there. You're not going to. You're not going to know what the heck is going on. You hear all the stuff on the radio this week and you go, man, that Trump, he's incompetent. He's a mentally unfit. Uh, you know what? Keep your eyes on the road. Your hands up on the wheel. Keep on uh, keep on paying attention. Well, I'm going to talk about everything that's gone on this week and there's a lot of it. There's a lot of it, but first let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, President Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. Located here in Southern California, offices all over the area. If you're interested in getting involved, any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are fantastic opportunities out there. If you need financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night. Area code, toll-free toll area code, 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone... Because you're uh, talking at work and you're stealing time from your boss. Don't steal time from your boss. Wait for your 15-minute mandated coffee cigarette break. Don't smoke a cigarette. Just stay at your desk and call me. Or go stay at your desk and log on to WCCLoans.com. www.wccloans.com. See all, you'll see all kinds of loan information. But hit the, uh, hit the loan center. Hit, hit uh, apply now. Put in as much information as you want me to have and uh, tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear from myself or one of my uh, able-bodied, competent um, loan team. Um, Eric Marquez, Alex Rojas, Cody Bradbury, um, Oscar Trujillo, Aaron Fredericks. One of those guys or me, we're all the same person. We just have different voices and uh, we all work together on all the loans. So if you don't get me calling you back, you'll hear back from one of the other guys and they are me as well. Uh, whether you want to refinance your house, if you want to buy a house, you want to get your kid to buy a house so they can move out of your uh, apartment garage, your garage apartment or out of your basement or off your uh, living room couch. Um, or if you want to do one of those, uh, those new, uh, reverse mortgage things that you can't quite uh, get your finger, you can't get your mind wrapped around. What what exactly is that thing? It's a loan and I don't have to make payments. Man, I just, it just boggles my mind. If you're over 62 and you got some equity, call me, 855-640-2020 or wccloans.com. If you hear anything on the show you want repeated, go to edhoffman.net. 
Um, and you could go to a podcast page and hear uh, this week's show as well as several past shows. Connect on the with the show on on uh, social media. Although it seems like I'm not getting as many uh, comments on my tweets lately. And I think that's uh, going on with what's going on with Twitter. Maybe my tweets are, are not going out. Maybe I see them posted there, but they're not really posting. So who knows? But uh, follow me on Twitter, at Ed Hoffman. Uh, Facebook page for the show is uh, facebook.com slash the main event Ed Hoffman. And if you want to leave me some comments on the show, the listener hotline is 855-640-2092. I'll mention that at the end of the show as well. So if you want to make comments... If I get you riled up, you'll remember it right at the end of the show. Uh, if it sounds like I'm struggling to talk because I still have the same cold I had last week, it's just uh, advancing all around my body, into my nose, down through my throat, into my chest. Anyway, I'm struggling. I'm struggling, but you know, I have a commitment. I have a commitment. I told you guys I would keep you informed, so I will be behind this mic, whatever I have to do. Uh, so let's talk about what's going on. For the past week, we've been hearing about supposed concerns regarding President Trump's mental fitness to serve and his statement that he's a very stable genius in response. But how did all this start? Well, it was a bill on Capitol Hill introduced by the Democrats, of course, that would require every president to be evaluated for mental fitness. Of course, we're not allowed to evaluate any of our employees for mental fitness. We're not allowed to uh, to uh, uh, evaluate the mental fitness of people trying to get a, a, a uh, buy a gun. But uh, we want to... Uh, evaluate our president for mental fitness. Um, I just don't understand where these, where these lawmakers, uh, what, what, well, I do understand. I just don't understand why they think it's fair. These Democrats went so far as to bring in a psychiatrist from Yale, Dr. Bandy Lee, who just happens to be, uh, be the editor for a book called the dangerous case of Donald Trump that came out last year. Lee, who told Politico, she met with a group of Democrats and one unnamed Republican, on December 5th and 6th, said this about President Trump. She said, quote, As he is unraveling, he seems to be losing his grip on reality and reverting to his conspiracy theories. There are signs that he's going into attack mode when he's under stress. That, mean he has the po- that means he has the potential to become impulsive and very volatile. Well, you know, Dr. Bandy Lee, I just don't buy your BS. And, uh, you know, he's going into... He's, he's, he's reverting to his conspiracy theories. Well, you know what? The, the, the president is a passionate guy. You know what? Uh, I remember seeing an interview with, uh, Paul McCartney and his, uh, second wife, Heather Mills. And, uh, somebody, somebody asked him, they said, Hey, do you guys fight? She goes, of course we do. We're both, we're both passionate, passionate people. How do two, two people that are passionate about life or passionate about anything and love each other not have fights, not have arguments because we feel passionate about things that we feel. And, uh, and that's kind of how it is. And so the president made a pretty dramatic uh, lifestyle change to take on this thing as being president. Something that apparently Oprah Winfrey doesn't want to do because she's a billionaire too. All the movie stars are trying to, Oh, Oprah's going to be the next president. I don't think so. And I don't think she wants it. I don't think I would want it either. Um, 
But think about think about the the conspiracy theory of this guy. This guy's think, hey, he's passionate. He says what's on his mind. He says what's on our mind. He says it just the way we think it. We just don't say it out loud. Well, you know what? Quite frankly, I say it out loud. But you know, there's certain things that I don't say when I'm in front of the microphone at the radio station because I know I can't say certain words out loud on the radio station. But you know what? Uh, you know, people go, oh, do you use four letter words? Hey, to me. The F word and the S word are, are passion words. You know, it takes it takes a sentence from from being strong to being passionate and strong. Okay, so occasionally, sometimes it just fits into a sentence when I'm passionately speaking. And guess what? That's how I am. And I hope that's how the president is because you know what? I really don't want to have a president that's just calm and cool all the time, and can't get you know. Hey, if you can't get motivated, happy, get motivated, mad. To just don't. You know, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Get fired up. So uh, let's think about all these conspiracy theories. Let's think about, didn't Trump say, oh, I think I think the Trump Tower is being bugged. And we all said, oh, this guy's a whack job. He, he's got conspiracy theories about his about his uh, about his building being being uh, bugged. Guess what? It was being bugged. That's how they got Michael Flynn. And of course, that'll be the next uh, independent council to find out. How did they get the uh, the warrant to bug the whole Trump Tower? They say they were bugging. They were trying to. They were looking for. Uh, uh, they're looking for uh, foreign uh, foreign people. They were looking for that, but they end up getting every phone call from the Trump Tower. So uh, so in in here's another one that that you should think about. You know, and and I think about this is Trump knows stuff that we don't know. He gets security briefings. He gets all this inside information. He knows stuff and he doesn't say it. You know, sometimes he makes hints about what he knows, but we don't know what he knows. And I don't want to know what he knows because if I know it, then everybody else in the world knows it. I don't need to know. Well, you know, it's our right as Americans to know exactly everything the president knows. Well, guess what? If the president's going to protect us from our enemies, um, if you broadcast it on TV, our enemies hear it. So then they know, then they, they have a strategy around it. But uh, remember, uh, there was a clip I played a few weeks ago, and I'll play it, I'll play it again. Now, in this clip, Bill O'Reilly is talking to Glenn Beck on Glenn Beck Radio or Blaze on the Blaze, you know, Blaze TV. So he's got a radio show, and Glenn Beck is talking, or uh, Bill O'Reilly's talking to Glenn Beck, and they're talking about this, uh, the fact that he knows there's a tape of somebody offering to pay women to come out and accuse President Trump of sexual harassment. Let me play the clip. There is a tape, Beck, an audio tape of a anti-Trump person offering $200,000 to a woman to accuse Donald Trump of untoward behavior. So, uh, you know, you have talked to me about this. You've talked to me about this tape. You've talked to me about it privately as as well with with additional information. Um, are, is this tape going to be released or? Well, I may have to, I may have to go to the U S attorney myself. I don't want to have to do that and inject myself into the story, but there are, I had my lawyer listen to the tape, my attorney, right? He's listened to it. There are at least three crimes on the tape. So as a citizen, I may have to do this. I, I will tell you, yeah. Bill, that, I, you know, that's what, the first thing that you said. You say, well, I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to get it, you know, so it could be released. It needs to be released. And you weren't talking about getting it for you to release it, but it's, it had to be out there. 
And I think the first time I said to you, you I mean, if they don't, you got to bring it to the U.S. attorney. I, if- I listen I, again. It's in the hands of someone who knows the seriousness of the situation. All right. What is their hesitancy? I, you know, I can't really get into that at, at this point, but I can tell you that Donald Trump knows about the tape, that the president knows it. And I'm, for the life of me, sitting here going, why on earth are you allowing a movement to try to smear you when you have a powerful, and I mean it's powerful, piece of evidence that shows this is an industry, that there are false charges and money changing hands. So Donald Trump knew about this. He wasn't saying anything about it other than, hey, these allegations are false. I don't know these women, blah, blah, blah. And what happened came out that Gloria Allred's daughter, Lisa Bloom, was the one who did it. And who knows where that's going to go. I hope she ends up being disbarred. Um, But, you know, she's a Democrat and she's a female and... You know how that how that goes. Probably go down the road with uh, Hillary Clinton, who should be in jail by now. Hopefully, uh, hopefully she will eventually be there because she should be. But uh, this is the kind of stuff. Hey, you know what? Trump is is mentally unfit. Trump has. It's got to be. It's got to be tough to be the president. Know this is going on, and not and not be able to say things about. It. Hey, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to let it come out. But you don't have to take this take this this crap that he takes in the media, and knowing that. Uh, you know, he's got, what, 11-year-old son now, Baron, who uh, is hearing this, and all his family and his wife. CNN, CNN went 24-7 on this story for several days. Here's Jake Tapper speaking to Congressman Jamie Raskin, Democrat for, for Maryland, who authored the bill. How can you be sure that, that your opposition to President Trump because of his politics, because of his style, uh, because of his let's call them eccentricities, that that's not clouding your judgment or that of the, the mental health professionals that you've spoken with. Well, and here's, uh, here's uh, Raskin's response. A lot of Republicans have asked questions about whether there's an adult daycare center uh, existing over in the White House and so on. But, you know, I'm trying to resist as much as possible just getting into the name-calling business. Obviously, there are a lot of things that are disturbing in terms of what's happened, like the president suddenly denying the veracity of the Access Hollywood tapes, which he had readily conceded to and apologized for just months ago. Um, there's increasingly delusional behavior, it seems like, and erratic behavior, and he's more and more isolated, even from his best friends like Steve Bannon, who are beginning to call him out in terms of his behavior. But the the issue is, what is our institutional responsibility as the U.S. Congress? And we've got that under the 25th Amendment. Everybody should go and read it. Either the vice president can act with the cabinet in the event that the president becomes unable to conduct the powers of office, or the vice president in a body to be set up by Congress. And Congress, in the last 50 years, simply never set the body up. And so at the very least, we've got to set the body up so it's ready in the event of a crisis. So we're sitting here discussing this. I'm going, what is it that makes them think he's mentally unfit? And uh, we're talking about, well, he calls uh, he calls uh, Kim Jong-un rocket man. And he calls uh, Elizabeth Warren Pocahontas. And he, you know, he call you know, he's he's out there saying the same stuff that we do. You know what? If you got some pretty radical ideas going on out there, and to me, almost everything that comes out of Nancy Pelosi's mouth, Elizabeth Warren's mouth, a lot of that stuff out there, I think that's just idiotic and irrational and mentally unfit. 
And quite frankly, I just blow it off. And when I'm talking, not in front of the microphone, I say stuff like that too. Hey, don't listen to that whack job. Hey, Jerry Brown, has anybody heard Jerry Brown talk our governor in California and uh, say anything that sounded rational? Let's spend $200 billion on a, on a train from Modesto to uh, Bakersfield or wherever it goes. Uh, why? Let's let's take all our money out of the let's take all our our water resources in California and instead of letting the central California uh, farmers have water for their crops, let's send it out the delta to save the delta smelt and just let it go into the ocean. Yeah, that's rational. No one's questioning his his mental fitness, except me. Well, I guess some of you are. Here's one liberal who has some sense, attorney Alan Dershowitz, who actually supported Hillary, so I don't really know how rational he is, but he's an attorney, he's a Jewish guy, and he's a hardcore Democrat. Listen to what he says. It's very dangerous, you know. There's only one thing worse than trying to criminalize political differences, and that's trying to psychiatrize them. These psychiatrists now, who are trying to diagnose without ever having met the man, that's what they did in Russia. I represented dissidents who they locked up in mental hospitals. That's what they did in China. That's what they did in apartheid South Africa. How dare liberals, people on the left, try to undo democracy by accusing a president of being mentally ill without any basis? Yep, you see even uh, see Alan Dershowitz thinks, it, thinks, thinks this is moronic. You know, so when Trump makes comments criticizing morons, is that mentally unfit? And do we have a basis on which to go just decide who's who's mentally unfit and m- make them go through? I mean, even if even if they go through a mental uh, psychiatric evaluation. What does that mean? What does it mean exactly? I mean, these psychiatrists. Well, you know what? Uh, let's talk about your childhood. Did you hate your parents? Well, I don't think I did. Well, I think maybe you hated your parents. Let's talk about your your childhood. I think maybe you hated your parents because I could tell. You know what? There's a certain there's a certain amount of value in in uh, that kind of stuff, but there's a certain amount of uh, of uh, over. Yeah, there's a certain point where it's you're overdoing it a little bit. Just overdoing it a little bit. It's kind of like that twelve step thing. You know what? Uh, you know the the alcoholics go to Alcoholics Anonymous and they do the 12 steps. And then you go to, you have the 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 other people that have 12 steps, Gamblers Anonymous, Sex Anonymous, all these anonymous. They're all doing these 12 step things. You know, and I, I know some, I knew some people in my past, you know, they, they, they spent all their time doing 12 steps. They were so, you know, they were so messed up on 12 steps. They had to go back to doing drugs. So uh, anyway. I, I diverse. So let's talk about uh, the other big story this week is is all the lies printed in journalist Michael Wolff's book, Fire and Fury, Inside the Trump White House, which is already a New, New York Times bestseller. Apparently, there's an old book called Fire and Fury that uh, was written about the Allied attack on uh, the Germans, I guess, from World War II. And uh, happily, the, the, the author is seeing a uptick in his sales on Amazon. You know, he used to sell one, one every two years. Now he sold a whole bunch because people ordered the wrong book. But thanks to President Trump, former advisor, Sloppy Steve, Steve Bannon, giving Wolf open door. Well, Sloppy Steve Bannon, who we didn't know until today, when hearing that clip, that one of Trump's best friends. 
So sloppy Steve Bannon gave Wolf open door access to the White House for months. Wolf was able to speak with dozens of people, and most of them say his book is a work of fiction. Here's a report from uh, PBS. The author is Michael Wolf. He depicts a White House beset by chaos, staffed by people who question the president's fitness to serve. Economic advisor Gary Cohn is quoted as saying in an email that the president is an idiot surrounded by clowns, someone who won't read anything, and gets up halfway through meetings with world leaders because he is bored. Wolf writes that for National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster, he was a dope. The book also quotes Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin and former Chief of Staff Reince Priebus calling Mr. Trump an idiot. Well, you know what? I guess it, I guess if you ask me about Obama, if I if I if I hung out at the White House for a month and watched things, I would say same thing because I don't agree with him philosophically. So therefore, all his statements to me are just just idiotic, and uh, I just don't. I don't know what else I don't know what else we would we would expect and uh, and I think and I think about we were just up in Mammoth last weekend and uh, if you go up to Mammoth uh, there's stickers all over the place that say don't feed our bears and say you know what I use this during the Obama administration don't feed our bears does that mean that they don't like bears they don't care about bears don't feed them and uh, and I always say hey, if they don't want you to not they don't want you to feed their bears because they don't want their bears to forget how to hunt how to feed themselves. And Obama said, don't let our people go hungry and just gave out free stuff. And now all those people that were dependent on that are finding they have a hard time figuring out how to go back to work. So that's kind of philosophically, I don't agree with anything Obama said. So, uh, so I guess if you put this guy in and he's philosophically 180 degrees from Trump, he's going to interpret that. Uh, The problem is, is he quoted, quoted people as saying things they didn't say. Let's hear from others in the Trump's inner circle who say Wolf is lying. On that claim, uh, President uh, President doesn't read anything and gets bored with his work. CIA Director Mon- Mike Pompeo says this. Those statements are just absurd, Chris. I mean, just just pure fantasy. My, my personal experience, I was with the president yesterday at Camp David. I'm with him almost every day. We talk about some of the most serious matters facing America and the world, complex issues. The president is engaged. He, he understands the complexity. He asks really difficult questions of our team at CIA so that we can provide him the information that he needs to make good informed policy decisions. And I've watched him do that. I've watched him take the information that the intelligence community delivers and translate that into policies that are of enormous benefit to America. Statements like the one Mr. Wolf made about uh, how, how we all think about the president, just, they're just ridiculous on their face. Yep, and if you remember Brock and Sane Obama, he didn't want to go sit in on the, the daily press briefings, or not press briefings, uh, security briefings. Uh, just give it to me in writing and I'll read it later. You know, how do you read security briefings? If you're, uh, if you're experienced as a community organizer, how do you know what those things mean? You know, tr- what Mike Pompeo is saying, hey, Trump's listening and goes, okay, what's that mean? Okay, does that mean this? Well, what about this? What about this? He's asking intelligent questions. Here's uh, here's former campaign manager Corey Lewandowski 
Uh, Wolf wrote that Lewandowski, Lewandowski thought Trump's sons and son-in-law were stupid, obsequious, and didn't know a whit about politics. Here's his response. Mr. Wolf and I never spoke about this book. So where he comes up with these uh, assertions of what I think of the Trump kids or, or Jared Kushner are completely made up. I've never spoken to him about this. And so let me be as clear as I can be. And this is a book of fiction. Not only is it not accurate, uh, there are so many misrepresentations in this book that it shouldn't be taken seriously. And if you look at the critics of Mr. Wolf, his contemporaries, his colleagues, the New York Times, CNN, clearly not people who have been friendly or supportive of this president or his administration, they have called into question the simple facts that are in this book as factually inaccurate. And Mr. Wolf himself claimed at the very beginning of the book that it looks like he's taken liberties to put things in the book that may not have happened, but he lets the reader decide. That is not journalistic integrity, and this book is a complete fabrication. Hey, uh, hey, I'm out of time for part part one of the main event. I got some more to talk about on this uh, on this book, but we'll cover that after five minutes of uh, uh, traffic and commercials and weather and all that stuff. Uh, stay tuned. Don't go away. Five more minutes. We'll be right back with part two of the main event. Welcome back to part two of the main event. I changed songs in the in the interim in the five days. I went in the five minutes of traffic and weather. I changed to a, a different Doors song. You know, I got a million of them. I'll use them all before the before my uh, before the end of my twentieth year. I'll use every single song you could ever think about. That's good in my eyes. So uh, welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. I do a great show. This is a second show of my 11th year. I do a great show about uh, real estate and financing that I'd never talk about real estate and financing because uh, I find that you guys actually listen when I talk about other stuff. Uh, but if you need real, if you're thinking about real estate and financing, nobody does it better than me. Uh, wholesale capital. If you want to uh, get a, a refinance, you need to buy a new house. You want to seize the moment before the rates go up. Pretty much everybody th- figures rates are going to creep up all year because uh, Trump's making America great again. Economic uh, good news makes rates go up. Also on your savings accounts, if you have savings accounts. The interest rates on that will go up as well. Uh, but uh, seize the moment if you need to pull out some cash to pay off your credit cards, pay off your cars. Uh, second mortgages, if you have a, a HELOC, a home equity line of credit on your uh, on your house now, those are no longer tax deductible. So you want to wrap them all together. Call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Um, or go to WCCLoans.com. Click on the Loan Center, click on Apply Now, put how much information you want, blah, 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 blah. All that stuff I took care of. Uh, don't forget the listener hotline. If you hear something that that uh, makes you passionate about something great I said or something that I, I screwed up, call 855-640-2092. You can record your comment. And try to talk slow and, and uh, articulate. Try to be articulate like Barack Obama. Try to talk clearly so i can actually hear you it'll play better on the radio so uh if i play it on the radio when i uh, have some time for that so anyway we we're talking about 
we were talking about before we went to the break. I uh, hadn't finished up this talking about all the uh, all the fantasy in the book called Fire and Fury. And we were talking about how a lot of uh, people that he quotes are saying they were misquoted. Uh, one of my favorite people in the Trump administration, who's now who's now interimly uh, in charge of the the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which is basically a bureau that basically just makes everything in the financial industry, the banking industry, harder and more expensive, and that gets passed on to you. Uh, so I love this guy because now he's in charge of it, and he hates Dodd Frank, and he hates the CFPB and what they're about. Uh, Mick Mulvaney said Trump, according to the book, uh, Wolf wrote that Mulvaney said that Trump was too scattershot. Scattershot. That's not scattered brain. That's scattershot. To ever be much help on the administration's America First budget for 2018. Here's what Mulvaney says about that quote. I talked to the guy for about half an hour. I remember talking to him in March. I think he put two sentences about me in the book, both of which were inaccurate. Uh, so, yeah, okay. Then even MSNBC, PMSNBC's, uh, is challenging the facts in Wolf's book. On Tuesday, host Katie Tour asked Wolf what he has to say about the growing number of people who say he blatantly misquoted them. They are all lying. I mean, they are all, you know, they're in a situation, I mean, we're in a situation now where Donald Trump has come to think that this book is a mortal threat. I don't, I don't know if it is or it isn't, but he certainly feels that way. And he is making demands on everybody. People are, are scrambling and they are panicked, which I absolutely understand. Nobody saw this book coming. Nobody saw that it would be as as big as it seems to be. And, um, um, and everybody is caught, a deer caught in the headlights. You have tapes. Are you going to release the tapes? No, I'm going to do, you know, I have what every journalist, I work like, like every journalist. I have tapes, I have notes. But if people um, are questioning it, why not produce the evidence? Uh, here, because because that's not what, what I'm, not, I'm not in your business. I, my evidence is the book. Read the book. Yeah, that's the ticket. Yeah, that's the ticket. If it's in the book, it must be true. If it's on the internet, it must be true for sure. I saw it on TV. It must be true. Read the book. I got a book published. Must be true. Eh, my wife says I should write a book. She's been telling me that for about 20 years. Uh, I just, I say every now and then I, I start to think about a title for it and uh, or an outline. And I, and I plan on, hey, I'm going to take this weekend. I'm going to put an outline for my book. Um, so far, I haven't even decided on a title. So, um, but you know what, while I'm talking about books, you know, I, I think about, I think about, you know, should I write a book? And I say, what should I write a book about? She goes, everything that you do, everything that you've done, everything that, you know, it's interesting stuff. And you just, when you write it down, it'll be, people will be interested. And I think about, I had a chance to uh, meet Rudy Rudiger. Uh, who's the guy, uh, if you remember the movie Rudy, you know, he, he goes, Hey, you know what? If they didn't decide to make this book, no one would even know about me. I goes, he goes, I played a total of 27 seconds in one football game at Notre Dame. And all of a sudden I'm, because they, they created this movie and they put a, he always refers to him as the Hobbit. Um, cause Sean Astin played him in the movie. He goes, now, now it's like, I'm a legendary thing. He goes, but really I didn't really even like football. I just wanted to to make my dad happy. And, uh, you know, he goes, it's painful. And I, when you meet Rudy Rudiger, he is really little. Sean Astin doesn't make the, you know, if you saw the movie, Sean Astin's way little, smaller than the football guys. 
And you think, hey, if you catch us at the right time, we're all heroic. So maybe there'll be a movie on there if I actually make this. Oh, and while I'm on that as well, some lady wrote a book called Molly Bloom, and it's called Molly's Game. It's out the movies now. It's phenomenal. Don and I went and saw it last weekend. I need to see this like six or eight more times just to get all the movie clips that I'm going to use for my show. It is phenomenal. You know, Aaron Sorkin wrote it, who wrote a... who wrote the wrote the screenplay? Who wrote uh, a few good men and uh, American President and uh, the West Wing and I think the social uh, the uh, what the Social Network he did a whole bunch of them, um, but it's phenomenal movie. You won't be disappointed. It's really good. Uh, so anyway, uh, but some great some great clips here. So let's go on. Let's go on. Uh, on January fifth, we're talking about the dossier that won't die. On January fifth, uh, centers. Lindsey uh, Graham and Chuck Grassley of the Senate Judiciary Committee formally recommend a criminal investigation against Christopher Steele, the author of the Trump dossier uh, that made salacious and false claims about Trump's ties to Russia. Okay, so you guys just here's a recap on Christopher Steele, the dossier and the firm behind it, Fusion GPS. So we'll collect the, you know, connect the dots here. So someone representing one of Trump's Republican opponents in the primary was paying via a third party for Fusion GPS to do an opposition research on Trump. Hey, I'm running against this guy. Go dig up some dirt on him. Okay. Then around March 2017, uh, most likely when that person dropped out of the race, which narrows it down to about six, uh, Fusion GPS approached attorney uh, Mark Elias, who represents two clients who might be interested in, in some of this research, and to see if he wanted to retain the firm to continue the research on behalf of his clients. Who were his clients? Hillary Clinton campaign and the Democratic National Committee. Elias said yes, he would hire Fusion GPS to do the work. And that's what led to the former British spy Christopher Steele being hired by Fusion GPS to write this dossier, which was mysteriously released and published on the website BuzzFeed just before the inauguration. Inauguration. Coincidence? Eh, I don't think so. Um, so if you don't if you haven't heard, they wrote up all this stuff about Trump being in Russia and uh, having having a bunch of bunch of uh, ladies of the evening come and and there's a bunch of uh, nauseating uh, nauseating little details about uh, weird stuff going on and urinating on beds and a bunch of weird stuff, bunch of ridiculous stuff. Uh, and of course, one of uh, one of uh, Trump's bodyguards or a secret one of his bodyguards that were when he was actually in Russia negotiating a deal out there. Apparently they actually did try to send, send some women to his room and he goes, no, 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 we don't do that. And, uh, and that's a, he testified anyway, doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Uh, just going back to the dossier this week, uh, the president's personal attorney, Michael Cohen tweeted this enough is enough of the hashtag fake hashtag Russian dossier. Just filed a defamation action against at BuzzFeed News for publishing the lie-filled document on at POTUS at Real Donald Trump and me. So they filed a lawsuit for for a defamation of character. I guess that's libel or is it libel or slander? I think it's libel because in uh, I think slander's verbal. I don't know. I could be wrong. Could be backwards. Um, and remember, they said they they quoted they they um, alleged that Michael Cohen actually went to. Uh, flew out of the country to the country of Prague to meet with these Russian guys um, because they pulled up some uh, some uh, visa that said Michael Cohen went. They didn't. They published all this stuff before they bothered to figure out if it was the same Michael Cohen. 
and it wasn't. Um, so a bunch of lies out there. In a closed-door interview this summer, Fusion GPS's co-founder, Glenn Simpson, and his attorney, Joshua Levy, said something chilling to the Senate Judiciary Committee, and thanks to uh, Diane Feinstein releasing all 312 pages of the interview transcripts, now we now know what it is. Fox's Catherine Herridge explains. It really is the kind of transcripts you need to read a couple of times to fully get your arms around. But in the course of the interview, the lawyer, Joshua Levy, makes the claim that after the dossier was made public a year ago this month by BuzzFeed, that someone was killed as a result, but he doesn't provide further information as to who that individual was and how it was somehow connected to the publication of the dossier. Yeah, some of these, uh, some I'm sure some of these hearings, some of you've seen on TV, you watch them on C-SPAN or on Fox or CNN, Communist News Network. If you're listening to me, you probably don't watch that very often. And some some of them, you got to wait to see the highlight film so you can figure out where all this stuff connects because lawyers are asking questions and trying to lead, trying to lead the the person who's on the stand to say things that they'll later impeach themselves with. Um, kind of like watching, uh, watching some of these movies out there, uh, you know, uh, Molly's game, uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you'll see in there. Anyway, kind of like, uh, the big short, a lot of stuff that, uh, it's follow the bouncing ball, connect all the dots. Here's exactly what Liv- Levy said in the transcript. He, Glenn Simpson, wants to be very careful to protect his sources. Somebody's already been killed as a result of the publication of this dossier, and no harm should come to anybody related to this honest work. Oh, to this honest work. Is that plagiarism? No, not plagiarism. Is that uh, perjury? Is that perjury saying, hey, nobody should should be killed. No, no harm should come to somebody related to this honest work. That sounds like perjury to me. So Chuck Grassley isn't happy with Feinstein for releasing the transcript, saying certain investigative factors must be considered to protect information during an ongoing inquiry. In other words, people may be afraid to come forward if they think they will say that whatever they say will be made public. Could that have been Feinstein's goal? Maybe that's why Trump called her sneaky Dianne Feinstein in a tweet this week. Here's what Dianne Feinstein had to say for herself. Listen closely, especially to the last sentence. The fact of the matter is that we received a letter from uh, Fusion's lawyers on the 2nd of January asking that the transcript be released because there was so much misinformation circulating and it was being used. Uh, false testimony was being used in ways that it shouldn't have. And the one regret I have is that I should have spoken with Senator Grassley before. And uh, I've kind of, I don't make an excuse, but I've had a bad cold, and maybe that slowed down my uh, mental facilities a little bit. Well, she's had a bad cold. So does that mean uh, that's an excuse because it's screwed up with her mental facilities? It's, it's messing with her mental facilities? Is that what she said? Let's play that last sentence again. I don't make an excuse, but I've had a bad cold, and maybe that slowed down my uh, mental facilities a little bit. Yeah, slowed down her mental facilities a little bit because she has a bad cold. Well, half the half the country has a bad cold right now. Maybe that's why. Maybe Trump has a bad cold. Maybe we should just do that. Hey, Trump has a bad cold. That's why. That's why he's saying all the all the stuff he says. You know that we're all thinking. He doesn't take time to filter it out and say, "Yeah, I shouldn't say this," as the president. Uh, you know, I'm thinking it, and I know all the people in the country are thinking it, and I want them to know that I'm thinking what they're thinking. 
Uh, but maybe I shouldn't say it. Uh, oh, but I have a bad cold today, so I'll just say it. So, uh, and the other thing is, hey, whatever makes Fusion G- uh, GPS lawyers happy. Well, we got a call from Fusion GPS, which is the people that we that say that we're that are uh, creating this this uh, this false dossier that may have been the reason may have been the reason that uh, they got a FISA warrant to bug the Trump Tower, which is why. Uh, Michael Flynn got uh, convicted of a of a whatever crime he was convicted of. So this is leading to millions and millions and millions of dollars of of this independent uh, investigation. And maybe this is all based on a on a BS dossier that they that they wrote. And we want to make sure. Hey, well, Fusion GPS asked us to release it. So regardless of what's legal and what's the how the government works, we're just going to release it. Just release it out there. And, uh, of course, it's not the right thing to do, but Diane Feinstein had a cold. So, I don't know. What do you make of all that? Is it confusing? Of course it is. Especially uh, listening to me, because I've got a cold. Man, no telling what I might say. Uh, Dan will edit it out, though. Meanwhile, NBC wants you to believe this whole investigation into Fusion GPS thing is Republican hype. This real versus fake news. We've learned this week about developing investigations into the Clinton Foundation and the right. author of that controversial dossier. But is this a real investigation or is that just a political sideshow? Well, it looks like it perhaps could be a political sideshow. Yeah, so it's just a political sideshow. Of course, this uh, Russian investigation is Russian collusion. And, of course, I keep my eyes on the road and my hands upon the wheel. I keep uh, a clear, clear picture of things. And I know that no Russians called me before I voted for Donald Trump. I don't even care what they if they stole uh, Hillary Clinton's emails and published them, because uh, I didn't have to read her emails to know that she's she's a she's a criminal. Because I I watch everything and I see what happens and I make some decisions for myself. So uh, anyway, it's it's a it's a political sideshow because we're investigating the dossier, but it's not a political sideshow. Because we're investigating Russian collusion. I don't know. Does that make any sense to you? It doesn't to me. Okay. So uh, on uh, immigration this week, on Tuesday, President Trump, and this is, of course, what everybody's talking about, uh, is two meetings that went on, or uh, the meeting with the cameras, the meeting without the cameras. On Tuesday, President Trump allowed media cameras into the room during a cabinet meeting where 25 members of Congress in attendance, 15 Republicans and 10 Democrats, to discuss immigration reform. Using DACA, the DREAM Act, uh, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, as a bargaining chip, the president aimed to negotiate his immigration agenda items, the border wall, merit-based immigration, and an end to chain migration by families. Here's some of the meeting, here's some of the meeting, including DACA bill questioned by Diane, my favorite, Diane Feinstein. When this group comes back, hopefully with an agreement, this group and others from the Senate, from the House, comes back with an agreement, I'm signing it. I mean, I will be signing it. I'm not going to say, oh, gee, I want this or I want that. I'll be signing it because I have a lot of confidence in the people in this room that you're going to come up with something really good. And I don't know how you would feel about this, but I'd like to ask the question, what about a clean DACA bill now and with a commitment that we go into a comprehensive immigration reform procedure like we did back or I remember when Kennedy was here and it was really a major major effort and uh, it was a great disappointment that it went nowhere nowhere 
I have no problem. I, I think that's basically what Dick is saying. We're going to come out with DACA. We're going to do DACA, and then we can start immediately on the phase two, which would be comprehensive. Would be agreeable yeah, I would like. I would like to. Do yeah, why don't we just do a clean bill here? Why don't you just give me a couple of hamburgers at McDonald's, and I'll come back tomorrow and pay you because I left my I left my money at home. How about if I just do that? I'll drive through. You give me a bag of hamburgers, and I'll come back tomorrow and pay for them. Yeah, that's that's the ticket. So uh, for the next few hours after those statements, the mainstream media was jazzed. Listen to Wolf Blitzer. I got to give the president of the United States a lot of credit. He allowed the TV cameras in there for this really remarkable meeting. I've covered the White House, as you have, for many years. I don't remember when a White House has allowed TV cameras in such a, an unusual meeting. Yeah, well, hey, Wolf Blitzer is getting all uh, getting all excited. I told I told you about when I was in Washington D.C. for the inauguration last year. I walked into a hotel, and Wolf Blitzer's walking out the other side. I said, "Hey, Wolf Blitzer." He goes, "Hey, how are you?" And he's looking, and I just kept walking, like uh, like uh, he's going, "Hey, don't you want to get a picture with me?" No. So anyway, I I divert, I uh, digress. So uh, someone who felt very differently about what was going on is Tucker Carlson. Listen to his monologue, and then I'm going to tell you why I differ with him. And yet today, in a remarkable twist, the president held a televised meeting with the very swamp creatures he once denounced. He told them he trusted them to craft immigration policy without his input. Then he suggested he'd be willing to accept any deal they produced, even a bad one. Key allies very close to the president on immigration told us this afternoon they were shocked by what they saw in that meeting. It was a completely different Donald Trump from the one we watched on the campaign trail just two years ago. In 2016, Donald Trump ran on the premise that America's borders ought to be real, that the repeated amnesties of the past have betrayed voters, and that this country deserves an immigration policy that looks out for American interests rather than those of foreign countries. Almost nobody in Washington agreed with him at the time. Almost nobody in Washington agrees with him now. Congress is full of people from both parties who believe that the point of our immigration policy is to provide cheap labor to their donors and to atone for America's imaginary sins against the world. They couldn't care less about immigration's effect on you or your family. Yet these are the same people the president now says he trusts to write the immigration bill, the one he'll sign no matter what it says. So what was the point of running for president? Yeah, well, you know what, if you look at it on the, on the surface... You look at it on the surface. Maybe you agree with with uh, with Tucker Carlson, and in certain kind of from one angle, I do. But one thing that they didn't bring out: Trump said no DACA without the wall. We're getting funded for the wall. Of course, wait. He ran for president. Said Mexico is going to pay for it. Mexico is paying for it because all these companies are coming back from Mexico. All that money that we're gaining, they're losing. Okay. Regardless, we have to get the wall built. That has to happen. Why? Well, hey, guess what? Uh, since Trump's been in there. Uh, people coming across the border has gone is down 70%. Guess what? That's because Trump's in office. Trump's going to get out of office in, in, in seven or three years. When that happens, guess what? They're going to come right back unless there's a wall there. You got to do something with your, with your, uh, presidency and make, then do something permanent, build that wall. He knows that the wall, he's not, he's not doing the, uh, he's not going to let DACA happen without the wall and without uh, chain migration going away, and uh, and with uh, some uh, merit-based immigration plans. So he's going to get the wall approved. 
I mean, think about it. If we have to let, if we have to do something with with uh, with the childhood arrivals, remember DACA, uh, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. These are not kids anymore, but they were kids when they came over here prior to 2007. So these are these are kids that came over because their parents brought them. We're not gonna. I don't care what is what is the letter of the law. We're not gonna we're not gonna deport all those guys. So hey, make something to where they can be here legally till they break the law. Put up that wall, and guess what? When they break the law, you boot their butts out, and they can't get back because there's a wall there. You know what? It's just like how how Trump did the the tax reform, and they put in there, hey, we're just going to repeal the mandate to buy Obamacare health insurance. When they did that, you know, it was no big deal. Don't make a big deal out of it till it passes because that essentially repeals Obamacare. Because now there's no mandate that says you have to buy it. And it doesn't say that you don't have to buy health insurance. You don't have to buy health insurance. and You don't have to buy a particular plan of health insurance, which means now the health insurance companies can come out with whatever kind of plans they want, and you could buy them if you want. So with that one little clause in there, he accomplished that. That's what he's doing here with, with this uh, immigration thing. He's going he's gonna to make some kind of deal for the kids that came across with their parents. And in the process... In the process, he's going to get that wall funded. He's we're going to get rid of chain migration. You understand what chain migration is? We approve one guy to to, uh, to come across, and his uh, evil evil aunts and uncles, and his grandparents, and his and his brother-in-law's neighbors all get to come just because we approve one guy. And all the rest, and all the rest, all the rest of those those criminals had to do was say, hey, they're related to this other guy. That we approved. So, hey, this is something great. Of course, I came up with a solution to chain migration, chain deportation. Hey, one bad guy goes, all his whole family goes. That that create that gets rid of all the hey, we're splitting families up. Hey, anyway, there we go. Another ver- another episode of the main event. I'm all out of time. So hopefully I uh, made some sense of what happened this week, folks. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event, and I'll be back again with you next week. The content in this program is not intended to be legal advice. The views expressed are those of Ed Hoffman and his invited guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 01147747 and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions. MB Number 096199.